well, it's recording. So, how are you doing today, Chris? Fabulous. It's a it's a pleasure. It really is a pleasure to have you here. I've never had a podcast where the guest was like, "I'm I have a crazy idea. I'm gonna come to your state when I don't live in your state, and I want to do your podcast in person." So, really, yeah, it's an honor. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I I don't I've never spent as much time with a guest as I have with you. Huh. So, I mean, other than like maybe a family member or something, but. Um, but yeah, no, it's a true honor to be able to have you here. We got a workout in together and, yep. uh, we've been talking all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're sitting down in heaven, an even longer thought out conversation together. And, it, and it's two o'clock and we're having coffee. Yeah. No better way. Well, we'll see what happens at six o'clock tonight or seven. <laughs> I might be up all night. <laughs> no, I mean, this has been my pleasure. I mean, it's, it's been a great, great day. It has, and uh, when we 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 started talking about this right after Roger up, I think yeah yeah we did. Um, and you're like, I would like to. I have a crazy idea. I would like to come to 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 yeah. you. I'd like to come and do it in person because I yeah. you're like I've noticed you've you've done a lot of in person ones, um, and I was just expecting to do it over Zoom. Yeah, and that, that just didn't seem right to me because no. You, You've you've got your your, I mean you've got your studio which is fabulous. Thank you. And, I mean this is this is like your comfort zone. This is this is this is your this is your your uh, fortress of solitude. You're right. You're correct. You're one hundred percent correct on that because I was actually just having a conversation with uh, Will Brant- Branham. He was on the podcast, jeez, uh, like two weeks ago, and. It was just, I even told him on the podcast, I'm like, this is, this, this feels weird. Like, because I'm looking at the screen and I can see him, but it's not personable. Right. You know, like there's something, there's an element that is taken away when you're talking to somebody on a screen. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. And when you're sharing your personal story, you want it to be, I don't know. It's, it's almost like you want to be sitting in like across from each other with, with a cup of coffee and, (laughs) and sharing the same experience. Yeah, because when you're when one person's in one location and one person's in the other location, it's not the same experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and you had talked about doing this in Chicago. Yes, like <laughs> Chicago's two hours. Well, depending on traffic, two hours from you. Yeah. Wow. Two two and a half hours, and it's like, I mean, on on a good day, this is six from where I'm at. It's like, yeah, you know, let's just do it the right way. Well, I really appreciate you coming here. This this was an experience that I will never forget. So, oh, you got a great family. Your kids are great. Oh, well, thank you. Your dog likes me. <laughs> so, I must not be all bad. No, no, not at all. So, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, no. I I actually want to start doing uh, like a traveling podcast because that's one thing. Going to the Roger Up event, realizing that there's so many people that have a need to share their story. Um, and I would like to essentially take it on the road so that other people have the same opportunity that the local people here have had. Huh. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, it's just ideas. Not bad ideas. No. Actually pretty good. Yeah. Sounds like a career. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe one day. Yeah. So, anyways, you drove all the way here from Wisconsin. You're now in Michigan. 
Um, what has your experience been like so far? Last night, not so great. <laughs> I mean, I, I was expecting to roll in about seven, between seven and eight o'clock. I got here at a little after midnight and I was dead tired. Got three hours of sleep yesterday. Got three hours of sleep this morning. And I'm like, <laughs> but when I, you know, once I got here, you know, spent some time with you, your family. I mean, you treated me like I'm family. You are. Thank you. Um, and that experience has been awesome. You know, it's, you know, it's, I'm glad I said, I, I'm glad I decided, said, let's do it at your studio. It just makes more sense because, yeah. because then I don't have this. Mm. And, and we've, have we, what time do I've been here since eight o'clock this morning. Yeah. We worked yeah. out and we've been talking ever since and it's, yeah. and it's a conversation that hasn't ended. No, no. It, it's weird because we can find like this common ground amongst like and what's even more strange about it is that we are in way different like decades. <laughs> Not saying you're old. I'm just saying that like you grew up in a different time that I grew up and yet oh, yeah. we can have these conversations yeah, and have this, this great time together. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of common commonalities between us, even though we are generations. Gener like, my generational oh, gap. <laughs> okay, so for anybody who watches this, my children are older than David is. Okay, so that gives you an idea. So yeah, it's generational, but I mean, it's it sounds to me from our conversations like our goals are the same. The things that we want to accomplish are are very similar. Yeah. Um, we both have the same doubts about what we're doing, the same fears. Yeah. Uh, you've overcome yours quicker than I have. Mm. I wouldn't make assumptions. Okay, I won't. <laughs> but from what we talked about over lunch, it sounded kind of like, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, you should be doing this. What's the, what's, what's the roadblock? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you've already gotten past some of those things. I think I've gotten past a lot of the things, but I, I still think that there are things that come up, um, you know, in life still where I'm like, I might struggle to get through it or struggle to overcome those things. Right. So like, as far as like some of the, the past traumas that I've gone through, I, I think I've, I'm pretty well set on overcoming those. Yeah. Um, but who knows, who knows for the future, you know, like it's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's one thing that like you and I have been able to kind of bond over is, you know, we, we went, we met at the Roger up event in Chicago and then we um, set up the podcast, but then like, we've just been talking all day about like the overcome army and goals and like what the over overcome army has done for us and other mm -hmm. individuals. And I think that's the one thing that like, that's the one commonality that we have, right? That's one of them. Right. And then it's, our life experiences and overcoming trauma and uh, kind of where we're, where we're at today. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, it's finding the outlet for those things. I mean, we both have full-time jobs. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to call it a career because it's a job. I mean, although you, you work on, you know, where you work and I get to play with heavy equipment <laughs> and power tools. So I still get to play, but it's still, it's still my, my job, but the, the career is what I'm doing on the side of that and, and where my goals want to take me. What would you say the difference between a career and a job is? A career is something you would do. And Passionately? 
do passionately without any expectation for monetary return. But isn't that what you explained to me earlier, that you would do the job even if you weren't getting paid? Yes. So wouldn't that be a career? There's not a passion. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there's a passion, but there's not really the purpose. Mm. Okay. okay. You know, and I discovered at Roger Up that, okay, yeah, this is this is what I do. This is what I get paid to do. Would I do it for nothing? Yes, I would. Because it, it is a passion, but passion fades. At Roger Up, I discovered purpose, and I know what that purpose is. And now that's the career benchmark is achieving that purpose. It's kind of like the different. I, I look at it like motivation and discipline. Mm, passion right. and motivation, they're both there. They're both great, but they're fleeting. Yeah. Discipline and purpose are always there. You may not work them as hard as you should, but they're always there. That's a really good point. That's a really good perspective of that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking. Uh, I mean, Jocko's big thing is, is discipline equals freedom. You know, and everybody talks about motivation. And it's like, I, I, my insanity, I took the motivation plus discipline equals freedom and just expanded on that. Because, I mean, we've all done it. We've all made our New Year's resolutions and we've been motivated to do it. And then January 31st rolls around and we're done. Yeah. I mean, I think that's most of the country or most of the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why after New Year's, all the gyms are packed for the first three months and then it just kind of dwindles down. Meanwhile, everybody's still paying for their gym memberships and not using it. And the gym owners love it because they're not paying for wear and tear on their machines. Yeah. That's actually um, one of the reasons why I have a home, not one of the reasons, but that's one of the benefits of having a home gym is that I'm constantly reminded every time I walk by it, oh, I got to work out. I got to use that. Yep. And if I don't, then I feel kind of guilty. Well, I ended up I've got my DVD player and I've got my television that I pay, play my workout videos on. And I, of course, I had to have some reason to go down there. So I got myself a little itty bitty television so I can watch <laughs> football while I'm working out or watch whatever sporting events on. So now I've got the double whammy. I've got my videos on and I've got my workout videos and it's like, okay, this is the best of all worlds. I may never leave my gym. <laughs> Do you think it's a distraction? No. No? No. Not at all. No. Because... <laughs> If it becomes a distraction, then I just turn the music on on top of everything else. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing down there? <laughs> Working out. You got the radio on, you got the television on, you got your DVD on. What? Are you really working out or are you just hiding? That is funny. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of benefits and it, it helps keep you accountable to when you have equipment at home. Oh, yeah. Because then you, like, you have no excuse. Like, you... If you don't have any equipment and you have to go to a gym to work out, then you can come up with every excuse in the book. Well, I don't have time. I only have an hour or I, I don't have time to drive to the gym and get a workout in. Yeah. But if you have stuff at home, then you can work out anytime. You, I can literally get like a, a crazy brutal workout in 30 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, I'm so tired. I don't want to work out. <laughs> Let's just, oh, I, just, I, just I just want to sit down and binge watch. I just, I just want to, Binge watch. Okay, I'm gonna go work out. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hate it. I'm not it's gonna be worthless. And then I have my best workouts. That's one thing that I think I posted recently. Um, 
in the morning, I struggle sometimes with wanting to get up. And I I posted, I, I always never regret waking up after I've completed my workout. Meanwhile, like when I first wake up, I'm like, man, I, I don't really want to do this. But then after I'm going and I'm doing it, I'm, I never regret it. I always feel great afterwards. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I'm always happy, happy that I did it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you're accomplished the first task of the day. Yeah. See, I had to I had to pull a, a Coach Kenny on myself with that. So my coffee maker goes off at 4.30. So I get up at 4.35. I get my first cup by 4.40. Mm. And then I'm starting my day. I get my reading in. I get my, if I'm going to work out in the morning, I get that work done. And then, and then I'm off. And then my day's already been a success. Yeah, that's one thing that I found that's uh, ever since the Roger Up thing and I started implementing a morning routine, it's, it's done nothing but create success for me. I mean, in all aspects, as far as far as like my mental fortitude and professional, like just like, cause I mean, like one thing for the, like the podcast, like I'll, I'll set a goal, like, okay, I'm going to book one guest today. And then I'm adamant about doing it. The first thing in the morning, that's what I'm doing is I'm emailing somebody or messaging somebody like, Hey, let's schedule that podcast or whatever. So it's been tremendous for me. Yeah. That, it's <clears throat> I actually have been so busy at work that I stopped my morning routine. I'm like, why am I in such a crappy mood? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, dude, you didn't get up. You didn't do your reading. You didn't do your morning meditation. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I should start doing that again. And I'm back in my routine and it's just like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't write in the evenings. Anytime I write in the evenings, it's just like, it's it's gibberish. Yeah. It's terrible. You're tired and and distracted. Yeah. And, you know, in the morning it's like, okay, here we go. And even on the weekends when I write, I'm up at 4.30, have my coffee, sit on with my laptop, and I write between 5 and 6. And it flows. That's one thing I told you about the book, um, uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about the process of writing because he's obviously a writer. So he talks about, like, having that time and that specific time and the like specific setting that you need to be able to sit down and write it's, mm-hmm. it's important like whether it's getting your coffee or whatever it is you need to get into that mode yeah because once you start doing it then the creative aspect just kind of flows well i sit in the same spot use my same coffee cup and if if i have to move stuff off of my dining room table it gets moved and it gets moved very, very abruptly, <laughs> should we should we say, because that's my spot. Mm. And that's where it, it's weird. But when I'm there, it's I do less editing. I do it's, it's just like, okay, this is comfortable. This is works. This works. This is where it, it, it all flows. If I sit on my sofa, it's just like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, that's not a good move for creativity. No. Because then you got the TV in front of you and you, you look up and you see the TV like, oh, I could just watch something. And you're comfortable. <laughs> oh, you got your feet up and, and <sighs> yeah. So, um, discipline is very important. That's yeah. one thing we can get from that. Discipline is extremely important. Um, and in all aspects and yeah. in, in being physical, physically fit and, uh, in your professional life. Um, but to kind of get the audience to know you a little bit more, I want to kind of jump back. You're, you're from Wisconsin, yep. but 
Are you originally from Wisconsin? No. No. Where are you from? I was born in Groton, Connecticut on the naval base, the submarine base. So that's my origin. And then I've been in Norfolk. I've been in Kings Bay. Oh, my gosh. Where else have I been? I mean, we've been in Manitowoc. We've been all over the country. My father was a submariner, <clears throat> so I followed him wherever he went. That's where we went. And we moved here. I had to be 12, 13, somewhere in there. What kind of impact did that have on you as a as a young person? Because I moved a lot, too, when I was younger. But um, I could imagine that moving would kind of... In a lot of ways, it would kind of make you the outsider whenever you went to a new place and would make it difficult for you to probably make friends. Oh, yeah. 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 And it, what's really funny about that is I've kept myself the outsider really until I joined the Overcome Army. Wow. Um, and actually got uh, some of the support and, and, and coaching to overcome, you know, to... to to deal with some of the things that I've been dealing with for forever. Um, I would always keep myself the outcast. I was fine being alone because I didn't have lifelong friends because I was never anywhere lifelong. I was always, we were always bouncing around. Right. And even, even, and I would get really nervous when, when I would let people in and let them close. And I was just like, yeah, Okay, okay, I need to derail. I need to, to do something. This is this is too warm and fuzzy. Mm. And I mean, it, it sounds weird, but yeah. I mean, no, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense because I think you can handle it in a couple different ways. Like you could either kind of like back away from that, mm -hmm. from that feeling or that um, those friendships, or you could completely lean into it and rely too much on other people. And when you, when you do start to experience it, and that, yeah. I think that's like, I, I, ha I struggle with that whenever I, whenever I make new friendships or, um, I, I really like if I meet somebody new and I kind of get attached to them a little bit, that attachment issue, like, um, like I, I get too close to people. I take things like too personal, like, yeah. and then, and then they might move or something. I'm like, Oh man, like. <laughs> Something I said. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, it, but it, it was, I just didn't lean into it. I just, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's protect, like you're protecting yourself. Build my walls and keep them up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a really weird way to live. But, you know, and, and my inner circle, I never had an inner circle because we talked about that at Roger Up. I mean, all of the things that we talked about, uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll continue on through this. Yeah talked about routine we're going to talk about inner circle you know all of the things that we learned uh to help us overcome all of those traumas and all of those things that were letting us hold us back and that was one of them i mean my inner circle i never had one <clears throat> and now there are a few people that so far i trust with my life and knowing what i know about them they'll always be there unless i do something mm, yeah you know, so that's, that's where, you know, now it's now for me, it's becoming a trust issue. It's important to have those people, um, like people that you can completely trust and rely on as, as your inner circle people. Um, that's one thing as I, I've gotten older and I've worked in, I've worked at GM. Um, I used to just be friends with anybody. Yeah. Um, and just because I'm a friendly person, 
I, I like people and I, I would know like everybody I'd be super friendly, yeah. but then like somebody would do something and I'd be like, why would you do that to me? Like, right. why would you stab me in the back like that? And then I'd take that personal. And then I, I started to realize like that person's not your friend. Not everybody's your friend, even though they want to act like they are. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was reading something, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and it, it was a conversation between partners and, and, one of them asked the question, how many of these people would be there if you truly needed them? You know, how many friends? And he, well, I've got 4,000 friends on Facebook. Okay, you've got 4,000 friends on Facebook. But if you needed someone to drop everything they were doing and come, how many of those 4,000 people would show up? And uh, crickets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at it that way. It's... I want somebody there in that inner circle where, and, and it's happened. I've, I've reached out to somebody and say, I just need to hear a friendly voice. Two, yeah. minutes, two minutes later, my phone is ringing. That's friendship. Yeah. And, and those are the things that, I mean, even two years ago, I would have just, I would have just, just told myself to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah. I, um, whenever I see, I I know people who are like just the life of the party, you know, and they're, they have so many friends, like whenever I've, I've gone to like a couple friends, like get togethers and then they got like so many like buddies over and just like, every time I see that, I just think, wow, that's like, that's a lonely person Yeah, because, um, like I don't have that many friends. I don't, I mean, my circle gets bigger, I guess. Um, as I like do the podcast, I, I get to know people like you or, yeah. you know, people from like the overcome army or whatever. So my circle gets slightly bigger, but it's like real people. It's like genuine people that I'm talking to and, and, and surrounding myself with. But one thing like I've noticed, like with people like that are surround themselves with all these so-called friends is like, they're lonely. They don't have these people that they can lean on in yeah. situations. And it, I don't know. I've, I've never been really, I guess, um, attracted to that. Yeah, no, I, it, it's when we were at Roger up, I'm just sitting around with one of the guys <clears throat> and we're just sitting there, throw a couple of words every five minutes or so, but you don't really need to say anything. Mm, no, because it's that comfortable. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's strange because we're both thinking the same things at the same time. We just know all of this stuff and we look at each other and it's just like, Oh really? (laughs) This is, this is weird. It's like we're married or something, but you know, and you know, when you've got all of those, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Commonalities. No, uh, I'm drawing a blank, but when, when you when you have all of those people that want to be in your circle, but you know they're the same people that'll turn around and stab you in the back, but you don't have, if you can't sit with somebody and be quiet with them and just know that hey, this is what we need. We need quiet time. Mm. I mean, it's there. There's something reassuring about that. Yeah, where you don't have to be talking all the time. Right. You know. Um, and I think there's a certain power to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Yeah. Unless you're on a podcast and you don't know what to say, then you're like, hmm. <laughs> then, then you're boring the guest. Oh. But, oh, what's going on? 
dead air. Oh, this is bad. Dead air. That's one thing. Um, <clears throat> when I first started the podcast, I was always scared that to not have something to say. And so I felt like I always had to be saying something. Yeah. Sometimes it's important to stop and not say anything and just let there be dead air. You know, what's really funny about that. When I started writing, it was the same thing. Okay. It, it, it was, it was a different kind of verbal. I mm. mean, it, it was yeah. written, but it's like, okay, I got to be constantly saying something. It's right. like, uh, slow it down, back it up a little bit and, you know, just let it roll. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of karmic that it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, we were discussing this earlier, right? We were uh -huh. talking about a lot of the commonalities between your, your writing and like me podcasting. And a lot of it is the same. Yeah. And in and, and a lot of ways, as far as like what the type of stuff you're writing and the way you want to project it to your audience, it's kind of the same thing as a podcast where, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to project it to my audience and you're writing it. Right. It's the same thing, just in a different form. Yeah. But you need the feedback. That is true. But so do you, because I, you... <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about, you, you, we were talking about this because when I first started writing, I, w I would go in and I would look to see how many people read it. And I'm like, okay, yay, four people read it. Yay. But then it started, I started looking at, and we talked about this. I started looking at the comments and it's like, okay, one person read it, but this is what they got out of it. Okay. So now it's making an impact and and now where do we go from there? Right. Yeah. I mean, it gives you something to work off of something. I mean, because you can't just put things out and then not have people comment on it or like <laughs> not, not react to it because you need a reaction. You need to know if people like it or if you need to change the way you're doing it. Well, and when I first started doing it, it was for me. Right. You know, and, and we talked about that progression where I would use sarcasm in it because I thought I needed to. Yeah. And then my, my therapist who she, she encouraged me to start doing it. She goes, this is great therapy. Just keep doing it. And now it's, what's the content? Is there certain, um, th I, I know that you're, you had mentioned earlier, you're doing a, a, a writing course, but other, aside from that, is there certain things that you try to write about? like specific kind of subjects or is it like a more of a reflection on your perspective of life or like your, or different perspectives, perspectives of situations that you've gone through? Wow. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm speechless. <laughs> first time for everything. Um, usually it's whatever hits me. Um, I told you about the article that I read uh, or that, Somebody who had written a book, he talked about the first article that he wrote and how he gave it to somebody. And their comments were, what was it like to be there? Can you put me there? So I looked at that, and then I wrote an article about my first hunting experience. And a friend of mine read it, and he said, wow, I feel like I was sitting in your tree stand right next to you. It's like, okay, good. Then I accomplished the goal. But was it good? So when you are writing something like that, when you sat down to write the experience in you and you and your tree stand. Yeah. How did you do that? How did you paint that narrative? Because I mean, that's, that's something I think I would struggle with. Like, how do you, how do you paint that picture? Oh, I just put myself back in that situation. Because I've, I've got a picture from, 
from that very morning when I was sitting there. And I mean, for, for me, when I, when I get up in the morning and go hunting, I'm up well before dawn and it's still dark when I get in my tree stand or in my turkey blind. And then I've got 45 minutes to an hour before the sun starts to break. And so I just described that how I saw it. And I, you know, and, and I had my picture of, of that morning the whole, in front of me the whole time. And it's like, okay, so remember the details of what happened. Remember what you saw. I mean, I described how I saw a black speck coming up over one of the, one of the ridges and it's like, oh, that's a turkey. And I and but it was so dark that I couldn't, it was still dark enough that I couldn't identify what it was. And then as the sun came up, I realized it was an eight point buck. Wow. Only had a half a rack. So he had been in a fight with somebody. So, I mean, it was, if, if he had a full rack, it would have been eight points. Otherwise he was just four. But, and we sat and I sat and I watched him. That's all I did. Didn't grab my rifle. It sat right next to me the whole time. And I just described that experience. And then he just walked into the woods. Sitting in the woods or sitting in nature, period, is probably one of the most powerful things that you could possibly do. Um, it's interesting because um, I, I know you're an outdoorsman, an outdoorsman, like sportsman. Yeah. Um, and I know so many people that are obviously we're from the Midwest. So, <laughs> um, but, and that's, that's like the sport to do. That's like the thing you yeah. do is you, you go hunting and, and whatnot. But I know so many people that have the same similar experiences. Um, and sorry about that. Was that me? No, that was me. My, oh. uh, my, I have my phone on airplane mode, but my texts still oh. go to the computer. So, here. um, let's do that too here. Over here. <laughs> I've got the ringer off, but. But that's one thing that a lot of people that I know of that, that hunt and they, you know, hike or whatever, they, whatever, like they go out there with the intent to hunt or mm-hmm. whatever, but they always, I always hear stories of them sitting in their tree stand and just admiring the beauty of it. Oh gosh. They, yeah. They find like I don't, the joy in just being outside mm-hmm. and enjoying the, the weather and the, uh, just the scenery just, just the experience. Well, I didn't tell you this earlier, but I'll take, when I, when I go sit in my tree stand for deer hunting, I take my owl call with me and I'll call the owls that live in the tree above me. Do you ever get a response? Oh yeah. Yeah. We have pretty good conversations where I, <laughs> I, I'm probably telling them to fly away, fly away. I've got a gun, but you know, who knows, but they'll, they'll call back and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. That is, that is amazing. I, uh, when the first time I went hunting, uh, at my friend's property, I was calling deer and, uh, they were responding back to me and it was one of the coolest things. And I was like, yeah. I was trying to get them to come so I could shoot them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they were responding and I actually could have shot them, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. So, um, I just enjoyed chatting back and forth with them. It was pretty cool. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I do the same thing with Turkey. Yeah. But, you know, and the more I do it now, I'm becoming much more selective um, because you don't want, I don't want to take a young turkey. I don't want to take a yeah. young tom because, well, they've got to live a l- little bit of life before, and I want them big. You know? Yeah. And the same thing with the deer. Yeah. Um, you know, I won't look at a two or, th- you know, a two-year-old buck. You know, it's four or five years. Yeah. Once, once they're getting towards the end of their life, that's when it's like, okay, now now it's fair. Right. 
Yeah, that was my um, concern about shooting the deer that I was calling is that the 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 mom was there, um, but um, the the baby deer were there too. And they were big enough to shoot, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, give them a chance. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Let them grow up. Let them have a little fun, and then yeah, you know, once they've once they've had their fun, and you know, it's better that we get them than than the coyote or or the weather. Sorry, that camera's flickering. Not flickering on there though. So we're oh, good. I was going to say it's my magnetic personality. <laughs> it's the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I really am enjoying this experience. This was oh. this experience is awesome. I'm I'm not going to lie. I was nervous um, yesterday. I'm like, man, I don't know how he's going to feel about my podcast studio being in my house or coming to my house to work out. Like I just uh, just nervous. I don't know why. Just like, just thoughts. I was I was less nervous about the workout than the podcast. So, <laughs> are you nervous? Yeah. Don't be. Why not? <laughs> it's easy for you to say not to be nervous. You're not doing it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, now you've been a part of the Overcome Army for two years now. Uh, or- no, no, no. It's it's been just a little over a year. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so you're you're new, ish. I'm I'm the I'm one of the new guys. Yeah, I'm newish. Okay, I'm I'm definitely a new guy for sure. I've been a part of it for a total of like a month and a half. Yeah, but you know you know what, <laughs> you, you know what's really interesting about that is you can have all the new guys in the world, but when you contribute, mm. it's like you've been there the whole time. Yeah, and that's one thing I've experienced uh, since I joined. Is I I jumped in full force. You want some more? Yes, please. Uh, I jumped in full force. And uh, then I kind of had to take a break because just things going on. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. But um, the feedback that you get from being a part of it and just hearing how how what you have to say helps other people is truly amazing. Well, and that was one of the things that I've been talking with Kenny about because, you know, he, he keeps telling me, you got to tell your story. You got to tell your story because you don't know who it's going to help. You know, what have you been through that somebody else is going through that maybe you give them a little bit of perspective on? And we get that a lot from everybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've all got our problems. And when you really cut down to the chase, they're all the same. Yeah. You know, it's just a different variety of problem. And how do we take that and make an opportunity out of it? And how do we take that no bad days and really make people realize that, yeah, okay, so you're having a bad moment. Is that going to really affect or be a reflection of your day? No. And if you're making it, well, how do we change that? So, Yeah, I think that's uh, very important. And that's something that I struggled with uh, before the Roger up event is like whenever something bad happened, I would let that define my day. Yeah. Like a while today's just a shit day. And so, (laughs) so it is what it is now, you know, but, um, it's all perspective, honestly. Like if you can look at it as like, okay, that was a bad moment, but the day can only get better from here. Yeah. Then, then it will. Well, it, you know, and you won't depending on your mentality, depending on your mentality. Yeah. But you know, and I told you the story where I was on the bubble about going to Roger up. 
Yeah. Know? I mean, I debated back and forth for about two weeks. I bought my tickets and then for, you know, the, up until the event, I'm like, well, maybe I can sell these things. And then I get down there and I get a message. Are you, are you in the hotel? Yeah. Well, get down here. I don't belong here. What do you mean? Just come down to the conference room. We're broadcasting live. And I get down there and I'm fine. And then after the whole event is, is done, I get a text or a personal message from one of the guys in the army saying, dude, everybody says you're phenomenal. They say you're the real deal. They say you're, you're that you are what you present when you speak. And I'm like, you're talking about somebody that wasn't even there. I don't know who that person is. And they're like, no, we all know. <laughs> and you just never know that stuff. And I didn't yeah. want to, I, I was just like, I'm out of my element here. Yeah. And you, you know, now it's just like, now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> With somebody you met at the event. With somebody I met at the event. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, through that, first off, that when you deviate from the discipline that you, you built for yourself, nothing good comes of that. Mm. I mean, we talked about that earlier where, okay, I stopped doing my morning routine. Why are my days so crappy? Uh, because you're not reading, you're not meditating, you're not doing all the things you do in the morning. Yeah. Heck, you're not even getting your coffee ready. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we go back and start doing that things, those things again. And it's like, okay, they weren't bad days. They were bad moments. And why? It just didn't do the things that make them work. That's one thing, um, going back to the morning routine thing, is that having that morning routine, and I still struggle with it. Like if I don't, if I don't like get up and I do my workout and do my reading and writing and all that jazz, if I don't do any of that, it sets the tone for my day. But what I don't do and I need to is that I don't go back to it. So like, oh. so like, let's say I decide I want to sleep in early or sleep in late. I mean, instead of wake up early, um, I won't. I won't just pick it up from there. Right. And I think that's important. I think I'll just move on with my day. I'm like, I got to get ready. Got to, got to go to, go to work. Yeah. As opposed to like, okay, well, I'm just going to try to fit it in when I can. And I think it's important to like, if you do skip it, because I mean, sometimes, you know, obviously things happen and you're not going to always like, you might have a late night or something and you might not be able to wake up early <laughs> um, before you have to go to work or whatever. Um, but it's important to get back to it. That, right. same, that same day, even though you didn't do it first thing in the morning, but go back to it. Yeah. And I, that's something that I struggle with oh. and I, I need to start focusing more on um, because there's something that happens when, whenever I'm like writing my goals and I'm thinking about like my goals, like I'm thinking yeah. about how I want my day to go or I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for the day. There's something that happens like in my mind. Yeah. That's funny because... I told you the last two articles that I wrote, I wrote them on consecutive days, which I never do because I mean, it's, it's one topic a week. And then if I decide to do something else in that week, I'll, I'll write about an, an, another topic. But I took myself out of that routine and all of a sudden it's like, I got to cram two articles in this week. How the heck am I going to do that? And then I'm scrambling and, and, and I'm feeling pressured and I don't like that. And I've got a, a card on my truck that I look at every day because it covers my speedometer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I got pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> the, the signs are just a suggestion. Come on. <laughs> but it says, is this action or how is this action contributing the goal, to the goals that you have set for yourself? And I get to look at that every day and I'm like, okay, yeah, they're not. 
So, and then it's like, okay, get back to what works, get back to what's working for you. And what's, what's, you know, whether it's moving that, that you, uh, a millimeter or a mile towards your goal, as long as you're making that forward progress to that, just keep doing those things. And, and, and the, the amount of movement you have is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just that the movement's the right way. Well, and I think that even if it's just a, a little bit, you move that needle just a little bit, as Jason Redmond always says, like move the needle. Yeah. If you move it just slightly by doing one thing that puts you for, like forward in your goals, then it'll help you tremendously because that one little thing might like help set you up for something even bigger. Yeah. It, well, it was like, you know, the, the, the young man that I'm mentoring when I told him I want 15 minutes of reading out of you a day. And he goes, well, that's impossible. How many books will I read? I said, that's, a, that's 12 books a year. You give me 15 minutes a day and you'll read 12 books in a year. Just give me good, high quality, something that you're going to learn from. And it's, you're, you're not, it's not anything monumental. It's yeah. little itty bitty things. And, you know, I'm, I'm great at giving advice, but sometimes I'm not so great at following my own <laughs> advice. And, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's really a gut check. The, um, the amount of knowledge that you can gain from reading a book. I was actually just listening to an audio book that, um, Brian or Brian Brent, um, this author that Brent kind of put me on to, he talks about him in the Roger up book. Uh, his name's uh, Brian Tracy. I know Brian Tracy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So Brian Tracy, he's like a inspirational type writer yep. and he, uh, has a book that's called something about a millionaire, like, I mean, I got to find it. <laughs> um, anyways, he has his book. And one of the things he talks about is that you should be listening to or reading books that um, are in a field that you're either chasing, like, a, like let's say, you know, you want to be like a psychologist. Then you should be reading books that are based on psychology and how, right. how it's going to help you, like what you could learn to further your goals in that field. Yeah. And by time that, by, by the time that, um, What's going on? Oh boy. Sorry. Sorry. Man, my phone's just blowing up today. I'm sorry. Um, it's called Million Dollar Habits. Huh. So he was saying that you should um you should uh oh my gosh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no worries. Everybody everybody wants to get in on this. Just like, that's that's why they're calling. <laughs> Probably. It's actually one of the guys that's uh doing the step challenge with me. He's he's running the whole thing. How many steps did you get today? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he was talking about how you should read a book. I think he said one a week or something. Um, And how, you know, by doing that, you'll, you'll essentially get an education, right? A whole education in that field that you're pursuing. And uh, then I thought about that. I'm like, that's actually really, really really important. That's really important because I mean, like, I think a lot of people just read books and they don't necessarily pursue, they, they're not trying to like expand their knowledge in what the area that they're trying to, right. trying to go into. Yeah. It, you know, and that was funny because when we were doing the over the, the 90 day challenge, it's like read five books. It's like, okay, but what? What books? Yeah. What books? You know, and it, of course it's personal to, to each and every person. And it's like, you know, some people were reading fiction and some people were reading spy novels and things like that. And I love history. And, and, and you know that, that 
you know, it's, you know, one of the, the goals that I've set for myself is to become a writer. So I'm, it's, it's the topics that interest me and that are therapeutic for me that I can get that out of. And it's, it's just interesting that you pointed it out because I never realized I was doing that. And then when I'm thinking about what I'm reading, it's just like, Oh, hmm. okay. That's kind of makes sense now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, you know, when, we were talking about purpose and that I think that just kind of cements that point where I'm not, I have, I didn't choose my purpose. It was chosen for me. Yeah. And now somebody's putting all the little pieces, they're putting the breadcrumbs there for me <laughs> so that I can follow them without me knowing it. It's like, Oh wow, that's too coincidental. And I don't believe in coincidence, but it's just like, wow, that's interesting that you, you came up with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, think people come into your lives for a reason. People say certain things for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be a good reason, might be a bad reason. But, it, you know, it, I think everything helps play into what you ultimately are set to do in life. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize that now. <laughs> wow. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, wow, that, that statement is... Because I'm looking back at what I, I'm thinking about all of the books that I've read or listened to in the last 90 days. Yeah. And they've either been thinking better or history or thinking better and history and what people have done to overcome things that have happened to them. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's karmic. So is that something that you would say you struggle with is like the way you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh yeah, the wires are they're a little cross sometimes. <laughs> in in what in what ways? Well, okay, so this is going to go back really far. Good, let's go back. Okay, let's go back. Let's start at the beginning. I was yes. born in Groton, Connecticut. <laughs> Son of a Navy man, he was a submariner. My father absolutely loved the Navy. Uh, and he got hurt and uh, was medically discharged, and that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And he took that out on me. So I was, I was the middle child, but, and I was the easiest target because I had an older brother and a younger sister. So you can't do anything to the firstborn and, oh, the only daughter who, um, so I got a lot of the abuse from that and that just set that mindset that had, had, has been with me and sometimes still is that I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. You know, all of those things. And, you know, if I make a mistake, it's like, what, you know, you know, it used to be, well, what were you thinking? That was really dumb. And to remanufacture that into a positive way. So when you say that you were the brunt end of the abuse, was it like physical or verbal? Yes. Both? Yeah. Or all mental? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was it was mental, physical. Yeah. I think that um well, first, I, I want to ask what kind of impacts do you think that having going through that kind of a did this happen your whole childhood? For yes. One? Yeah. Well, so. it, yeah, it happened my whole childhood to the point where I left home at when I was about 16. Wow. And, you know, if, if I'm going to be on my own, I'm going to be on my own, and I'm at least not going to have to listen to this stuff. Do you know what's so crazy is that our stories are so parallel. Isn't that crazy? I I have the same kind of story, and I moved out when I was 17. Okay. And same kind of thoughts. If I'm going to have to be on my own, I'm going to be on my own. Yeah. That's so crazy. Uh-oh. <laughs> you hear something? Oh. 
It's 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 the karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that um you know, it going through extreme abuse. I don't know how extreme it was for you, but for me, going through being that person that the abuse was taken out on, it it in a lot of ways it set me back in life. But in the same sense, it also made me way stronger mentally and emotionally in some aspects, okay. not in all aspects, like in, in, in the aspects that it's not good is that I'm not extremely emotional. Um, you know, when I should be, yeah. um, uh, but in other aspects, like if something were to happen to me, I'm not going to be emotional about it. I can, I can get through it and yeah. be fine. So I think for me, that's a good thing. Um, I'm not going to just break down and, and not be able to handle the situation. But, um, I think like for me, like going through something like that was just, it made me a stronger person in the end, you know, obviously I had to go through the process of right. like learning who I was and like figuring all that trauma out. But yeah. for you, what was that like as, as a young, oh. as a young person having to deal with, you got your notebook, you've about opened it. Oh no, <laughs> there's other fun stuff in that notebook, but oh. no, um, I mean, that was the direct result of me not having a strong inner circle. That was me pushing people away because, you know, I'd, you know, get a little bit of trust, something would happen. And it was just like, okay, it's, it's this, it's this broken record all over again. So just keep pushing them away. Don't let anybody inside. Don't let anybody close because all that's going to happen is you're going to get the same old, same old. And you know, that ha I continued on that path until I was probably in my late forties, wow. early, late forties, early fifties. And, you know, it's, it's funny cause I, you know, in all of that time, I can remember I only hit one of my children once, never did it again, never spoke poorly of them, never, you know, was always encouraging to them, but I couldn't do that for myself. Well, I mean, I think that should say a lot though, because I mean, that's one thing that a lot of people talk about is like, if, you know, if it were to happen to you, you're more than likely going to repeat history. Right. And so did you have the mindset that I'm, I don't want, I don't want to be like that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Oh, I, I said it was bad enough for me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. To, uh, I'm not going to create another generation of that. Right. Um, Yeah it had to stop somewhere. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. So you made that decision when you, when you decided to have kids. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't it, decide. I, well, I really didn't decide. It just kind of happened. And it's like, <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Now time to be a grown up. So you moved out when you were 16 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. Where, where did you go? Friends. Okay. So you were just couch surfing or. Yep. Wow. What what did life look like for you at in that time? Were you were you scared about where, what was going to happen to you, or were you worried about like your future? No, I didn't even think about it. You were just more concerned on you and getting it out was, of there. It was get out of there. What am I going to do today? You know, and I didn't I didn't think a week in the future, much less years in the future. Wow. Yeah. That is so crazy. I remember the the night I moved out. I've talked about it on the podcast, but I cried because I I knew that at that point, like 
my I could either go two ways. I could let this whole thing ruin who I was going to be, or I could just prove everybody wrong because yeah. everybody thought like you're not going to make it on your own. Um, you know, you're a kid. You're not gonna. You're not gonna survive. You can't. Yeah. You need us. And I wanted to prove them wrong. Yeah. And so, like it, I think for me, like it, but I was also scared. I was scared that I wouldn't make anything of myself and that I would, I would be what everybody kind of expected me to be. Yeah. Well, now, now I'm, now I have that mindset where, okay, well, I'm just going to prove you wrong. Back then, that back then it was just, I was surviving day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point in your life did you, um, did you start getting through some of that trauma, working out that trauma that you went through recently? So what kind of effects did that have on, oh. on your life? Let, let's break this down a little bit. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, first off, before my father died, and probably the bravest thing I've ever heard anybody say or do. I mean, at this point, he, he, it was about three years before he died. Um, I had gone out to see him one last time. And uh, he was in his wheelchair, lost both his legs. He was legally blind. And he apologized for everything. And I just looked at him and I said, wow, that must have been really hard to say. And he goes, no, it was really easy. I should have just said it a long time ago. So I had that. But then I still had all of that negative self-talk that was going through my, just grinding through the gears in my head. And that process just started to evolve probably with, I want to say in the last two years, I mean, and in therapy recovery, and we talk about that for a few, if you, if you know, uh, and surrounded myself with people much. I gotta, I gotta qualify that remark because that's because what I think. And I don't, that's necessarily right because we talk about this upstairs too, but I surrounded myself with people who are like mind me change the thought process. I've talked about it. Cause you said you, uh, the up, I, I don't it's like, oh, of course you just crashed down here. Sorry. <laughs> you can start. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to use favorite word. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <here it is. laughs> oh, you tricked me. <laughs> so, sorry, Kenny. Um, but it's just, it's just that reprogram. And, you know, when I, when I stopped using you know, the alcohol and drugs and all that stuff, then it, it was like, okay, oh my God, what am I doing now? You know, and the voice started screaming louder. And I had to find something. I didn't have my my fault. Okay, so I can I can I can stop the. And when I when I got sober, it was like I can stop the talk. That I've got to find another way to stop the talk. And and that was finding people who hadn't from the trauma, but found ways around or out of it, or deal with it, or or how to encourage others. And but that's the journey start. Would you say that kind of when you discovered the way? That one started to be cemented. Okay. Because I was reading a lot because I had to fill my time because I wasn't drinking. So I had to fill my time with something. Might as well do something constructive read. And and it wasn't because I look at what I was reading and listening to back then, and it's different than what I'm reading and listening to now. So obviously I was looking for something, and I just needed the right vehicle to say,
yeah, all of that stuff that you read, it's the right stuff. You just need to start buying into it. Mm. And th then I got the examples of people who, who live it. And, you know, when you, when you see that, then it's like, okay, okay, this is starting to make sense. I mean, it was like all the messages that we heard. I said this earlier at Roger Up. All the messages were the same. Yeah. They were just presented differently, and the traumas for each an individual speaker was were different, but they were still trauma. And you know, and we talked about is somebody's worse than the other? Maybe. Yeah. Trauma's trauma. Trauma's trauma. Yeah. But you know, the message that I got out of that it was just a reinforcing message from each and every person that was there, and uh, and what you get out of what I got out of each every one of them, it was just like, okay, this is putting into concrete what I'm learning and it works because look at these people. I mean, one of them had been blown up twice. Yeah. One was shot eight times, had his career threatened and, and look at where they are now. Yeah. I think that was one of the most significant things I got out of Roger up. Um, the interesting thing though, for me was that I'm like, I already know all this stuff. Yeah. Like it's stuff I already knew. But I wasn't implementing any of it into my life, and, you know, like because I've I've always kind of like you had been searching. Like I always listen to audiobooks or want like I listen to like inspirational podcasts or whatever it is. But like they talk about these, but these are successful people talking about this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's just like it's just them talking. Yeah. But it's it was interesting to hear like Jason Redman and um, like Kevin Ross and all these people talking about what it takes to be successful and the process of it and what you need to do and how you need to continue doing it even after you are successful. Yeah. And it shows in their life because like these people are successful. They have been successful and they tell you like how they got to that point and then what you need to continue doing yeah. in order to stay, stay successful. Well, and that's kind of where I got my purpose is I see these guys and they're talking about this and they're not talking just simply about their victories and their successes. They're yeah. talking about where they failed and, right. and, and how they, how they overcame those obstacles that whether it was their own doing or, or something that was an outside influence that they had no control over, but what they did to pull themselves back up. And, you know, and I had, the, I had the morning routine. I was reading the, you know, I was reading good stuff, I, but it was just like, okay, why am I doing this? Right. And then it'll go back to when I stopped doing my morning routine. Well, my days are junk. What's going on? We'll get back to your routine. I was like, okay, that, okay, it does work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and having them reinforce that was, I mean, that was, that was the acid test for me. I mean, because it goes to show that they're also people and that they struggle with the same things that we struggle with. Yeah. Like they may seem like savages on the outside and have this strong front, but they struggle with the same <laughs> things that everybody else struggles with, with wanting to wake up early and get after it and all those same things that we all struggle with. Oh yeah. Unless you're Jocko. I mean, <laughs> you've got to get up every morning at four o'clock, but he oh. still struggles with things. I guarantee you he doesn't oh, want to get up. Of course he does. I guarantee you he doesn't want to wake oh. up at four o'clock. And if he tells you he doesn't struggle with that, he's lying. Sorry, Jocko, please don't hold that against me. <laughs> but I think, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to interrupt you. Um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was, I think it's Dana White. He says that, most people hate Mondays. Like most people hate waking up on a Monday because they're tired from the weekend and they just dread it. But he, 
he looks forward to Mondays because then that's when he gets to go to work and, and do what he loves every single day. Yeah. I want to get to that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, that's it, the goal, right? The The goal is to, to, to wake up in the morning, go sit at my desk, write a couple of pages, call it a good day and then goof off, you know, go hunt, surf, whatever. You like to surf? No. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 funny though. But now that I've gr- figured out what I want to do with when I grow up, I'm also <laughs> figuring out the some of the fun stuff that I want to do. I mean, in the last two years, I've driven race cars, I've rock climbed. Um, I actually did hold hold a snake, even though I'm deathly afraid of them. Uh, I was almost killed in a boating accident when I was younger, Ooh. and I was deathly afraid of water. I actually went on a boat. Wow, I know it was harder. It was harder walking across the dock than getting on the boat itself. Wow. I know it's weird, but I did that. And it's like, okay, so what's next? Now I'm going skydiving. I was just going to say I'm going skydiving. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, which, you know, and it, it's, I've run three half marathons and it's like, okay, run three halves. Why not do a whole? Yeah. That's four hours of running. I don't, I don't, I, there were a lot of things that I like that I don't do for four hours straight, but it's like, okay, why not do it? So you can say you did it and you're going to, you're going to get through every mile and you're going to smile at the end of it. You're going to be tired. You're going to be happy you did it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like that whole waking up thing. Like you're not going to regret doing it once you've done it. No. 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 We talked about that too with the tired. I don't want to work out. Okay. I'm going to go work out and it's like a great workout. And it's like, okay, I feel really good now. Now I can sleep. Mm, Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's so many benefits of the whole Roger up thing. I, I I feel like I whenever I talk about it, I sound like a cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about that too because um, I called it a leader leadership conference. Yeah, I've I've always struggled with what to like how to describe it. And I always describe yeah. it as like a motivational thing, but you you gave me a new perspective on it. Yeah, and and I love that perspective because it there there wasn't anything. At least not for me, there wasn't anything motivational about it. It was, this is what these guys do to be successful. I mean, my big thing was, oh my gosh, look at all of these huge guys. I'm not worthy to be in the room with these guys. Mm -hmm. Then I find out they're they're normal. Normal everyday guys that, that struggle every day with certain stuff, but they have this one thing called discipline. Yeah discipline that they do every day that gets them through their day and it and it and you know so i i went into it with that and i and i learned i learned that okay everybody has trauma what are you going to do with it i mean one of the guys i told you this earlier one of the guys said he'd rather have my trauma than his i'm like you got blown up (laughs) yeah i know i got my hands burned too but i you know that was nothing i'm like oh you know, and, and, and it put a lot of things in perspective, which, w- which was amazing. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I do belong here. And, uh, um, you know, and you could see it. You could watch the people who were engaged and, and were embracing it and wanted to learn and wanted to pick some, even one little itty-bitty nugget to change their lives. And then there were a couple of people who were there. Yeah. Which I don't understand that. Like you paid a lot of money to come to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm. You know, I'm going to get something out of it. And it's, but it's like, okay, get something out of it. But you know, you're only going to get out what you put in. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I learned is, you know, and this is how I got to. 
how I turn how I flip that coin on its edge. Where, okay, I like to do this, but what do I really want? What do I really want to do? And you know, and it came, it didn't come from asking questions. It came from asking the right questions. And um, that sounds really simplistic, mm, yeah. but, 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 and it is, it's just, it, it's just so it's like, oh my gosh, is it really that obvious? You know, and I turned, I turned that from, from asking a question to asking a very direct pointed question on something that I wanted to know. What was that question? I don't know. <laughs> there were a lot of them. They, I mean, and, and it was different for every one of the speakers that I spoke with. Um, for, for Brian Fleming, it was, Hey, if you've got 10 minutes, would you help me go for my battle plan? And we talked about that and it turned to 30 minutes and he's like, and and the last question he asked me is, what are you going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to sign up for a writing course. When are you going to do it? Well, probably on the lunch break. And then after lunch, he's like, okay. And yep, already signed up. When did you do it? Five minutes after we spoke. He said, you're going to do it on lunch. And I said, I had a couple of minutes. Why not? And, you know, and, you know, I, I asked one of the other guys why he didn't tell his brother-in-law, hey, you know, why didn't you say to him that it's courageous to ask for help, not weakness? And it was, and, and it, it started to put you know, putting my mindset in a different perspective where, okay, if I ask a, if I ask a quality, quality question, I'm going to get a quality answer. And it might not be what I want to hear, but it might be what I need to hear. Well, and I, I think that goes to show, I mean, when you were telling me that story with your boss and the questions you were asking him regarding some of the coworkers that, um, aren't, aren't wanting to pick up some of the extra slack or whatever. Yeah. Um, the questions that you asked him, I'm like, wow, like that's, those are powerful questions for you to ask the owner of the business. Yeah. And he didn't even know the answer to them. And it's funny. And, and, and we talked about that too. And three months ago, I never would have asked, asked those questions. <laughs> I would have been like, Oh, I don't know. And, 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 and now it's, I'm, it, it's, it's, it's those skills that have, have helped to reprogram, you know, that the, the negative thought are swirling into positive ones where, okay, so how am I going to make this problem an opportunity? I'm not going to do it by sitting on my thumbs. Okay. I got to do something. I've got to say something. I've got to help find a solution. I've got to point out that there's a, you know, that there is an issue and somebody has got to solve it and it may not be me. Right. Yeah. But just the, the, having the courage to have that conversation or to say that, that one thing, it's, it's it's amazing what three months can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have when you're when you're dedicated and you have focused your time and your effort into just being better and and having a discipline. Yeah. Discipline is a huge factor of it. Yeah. Of it all, then you can make tremendous leaps. Yeah. Tremendous. I mean, like I had mentioned earlier, since Roger up and having the morning routine and um, just being more disciplined in everything I that I do. Yeah. Um, focusing less on certain aspects of things and focusing more on other things. It's allowed me to put life into perspective a little bit better and fi- yeah. have me figure out what I want out of life. And I've started a business since then. And it's like, you know, like that probably would have never been the case if I hadn't for one gone to Roger, the right. Roger up event and 
and heard some of the things that the people were talking about. And, and because like, again, like I knew all those things, but it's like, how do you put all that into play? Well, and that's what they, they helped with. Well, we talked about that. Yeah. I mean, and all of the conversation that we had, it's, it's all pertinent to what we're talking about now, because I had said, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm great at giving advice and it's good advice. Except to me, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. You know what you should hear? If, if it were me, this is how I would do that. And then it's like, okay, okay. So I tell somebody that that's how I would do it and I'm not doing it. Right. And that's where everything gets derailed. Right. You know, or, you know, we, we get off the tracks a little bit. And, you know, when I, when I go back to that and I, and I, and I just, and that's what this notebook is. This is my Roger up notebook. This has all Mm. of my notes in it that I took from there. And I look at it and I was reading it before I came over this morning. I'm like, okay, you forgot about that. You know, and I'm circling stuff and I'm writing it down and I'm like, okay, come on, you know, get yourself back on track because you know, this stuff works because you've done it and you've proven it and you haven't backed down. And, and it's, I don't back down when I feel the need. When you set your mind to something. When, 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 when I see a problem and it needs to be addressed, if it's not something I can do myself, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take it to who it needs to go to. And that mm-hmm. offends some people. And I'm, and it's like, okay, that's fine. But, is the net result getting the job done or, or not offending you? Right. And it's like, uh, and, and really, you know, you're being offended by this as you, not me. Yeah. I mean, and that goes back to being unapologetic, right? Like yeah. you, you got to do what's best for you and what's going to make your life better and not be worried about how it's going to affect other people. Because I mean, you're not hurting anybody by making your life better. No. And, it, and I mean, you kind of talked about that when you got sober is that it, you know it it ended oh, some some friendships and yeah, some relationships yeah you know like you made a decision that was going to going to better your life yeah. but obviously those people didn't like that decision and they were probably upset about it yeah and and I will what I'll do is I'll I'll send you that article that I wrote on that because you know it's it's pretty pertinent to that and it was you know it all came down to okay I'm doing what's best for me and are you not talking to me because, okay, you, you still want to go to the bar and have a glass of bourbon and a cigar? Or are you not talking about me because you see these same things in you and you're going to have to do something about it? Or are you afraid of what I'm starting to become? It's probably a little bit of all of that. Probably a little bit of all of that. And, yeah. You know, and, you know, and when, when, when people start to see other people that they've known for a long time start to have success, Mm-hmm. They're going to either run from it or they're going to try and squash it. Yeah. And, you know, and they're not, certainly not going to embrace it. Yeah. No, definitely not. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's part of it, that part of that, that, that little puzzle that falls into that as well. So yeah, now I'm, I'm starting to do the things that I want to do and I'm starting to do things that are making me a better employee, better husband, better father, better, all of those things. Um, but I kept telling my wife that when I was going through this, look, I've been an asshole for 56 years. You don't expect me to change overnight. It's a process. It's going to take a while. And when I went to Roger up, you know, she asked me what it was about. And I told, you know, I said, I don't know. I'm going to, I'll know more when we're done. And I started reading the notes to her and explaining what it was all about. We talked, you know, while I was down there and, Randy, the owner of the company constantly, he's like, okay, so he, he was asking questions about it. 
I mean, the, 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 the man is so, so incredibly smart and he's con- so concerned about his employees. I mean, he would ask me about my recovery, what it's like to, to battle depression and, and, and those things, you know, what do you go through? What's it like? You know, and you know, you know, describe how it feels. Okay. Imagine a, an 800 pound gorilla sitting on your chest and hitting your head with a hammer. Oof. That's what depression is like for me. He's like, Oh, that's pretty nasty. Yeah, it is pretty nasty. But he wants to know. Right. And, and it's like, he knows he can't do anything about it, but he's like, okay, so now when you're, you're like this, that's what's going on? Yeah. It just depends on how big the hammer is. <laughs> he's like, uh. But, but so, you know, he'll talk about those things and, and, and what we learned and, and what we experienced. And, and, and he notices the growth and he embraces it. But some of my other coworkers are just like, uh. Because they want you to be like them. They want me to be like them. They want you to be sandbagging. They want you to blame. Bl- they want well, you to be like, oh, that's Charlie's job. Here, <laughs> exactly. But but here here's the here's the good thing. Or 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 this is this is so detrimental to everybody else. It's like you're just trying to make us look bad. Mm-hmm. And I and 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 I just the last time I heard that I said. Um, I, I'm not trying to make you look bad. You're doing that all on your own. Ouch. I, it was really nasty, and I regretted saying it the minute I did. Mm, I don't think you should regret that. Uh, yeah, it was. It they're, was they're taking a shot at you. That was harsh, though. It, well, no, it's the truth. I know, but yeah, well, but it was still harsh. I, I you know, we, I can, it's I can brutally t- honest is what it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah, okay, yeah, brutally honest, and I, I could have, I, I could have found an easier, softer way to say something like that, but yeah, but not real, but, but, but do you think it stuck with them? No, 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 no. If if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, wow, wow. I guess you're right. <laughs> well, you know, and I guess it depends on on who it is saying something like that to you right. and how much respect that you have for that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something that's very interesting. Um people will take offense to you trying to be a better person. I know. It's so it's so bizarre. It's de- so, it's demoralizing sometimes. Yeah, because they they think that it's like personal, like like you just want to be better than me. Like, yeah, yeah I, I do want to be better than you. I want to be better than who I am. Yeah. Well, and, you know, for me, it's like I don't want to be better than you. I I need to be better than who I was yesterday. Right. right. And you know, and it was funny because uh, you know all of the things that I've been battling have been really, really hard on Rita and, and my relationship over the last couple of years. And, and I don't know if it was something that she saw in me or if it was something I said or, or what, but all of a sudden she just said, you know, I'm really proud of everything that you're doing and I have been so hard on you and I don't know why. And, and right there it was just like, okay, Okay, so I'm on the right path because this is the person that I live with. I don't work with them. I'm not trying to impress her. Right. I mean, I did. I, I got all the. I mean, we're married, so I impressed her in some way. You know, <laughs> and one charm. <laughs> <laughs> but the the effect that that had, it's just like okay, so if I can do that here, and and you know, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm I'm writing. Why are you doing that? Because I need to. 
And then I started, I, I gave her some stuff to read. And, you know, it was funny. She goes, the only thing that she said was, did you use spell check on this before you submitted it? I'm like, yeah, but how is it? And she goes, well, you spelled this wrong. And it's like, and, and from her, that's like, okay, it was good. Mm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, okay, I've got nothing to say, but you, you, you spelled the wrong. <laughs> 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 or whatever it was. But it, it, but it was just, you know, and, and so now... I'm learning that okay, I can I can push those boundaries, and if if the people that want to be there are going to stay, yeah, the people that are afraid of it are going to either try to sabotage it or run like hell. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I think they talked about at the Roger Up thing. I keep bringing that up, but it's one thing that I really I, it's an idea that I really like is that once you start leveling up, then everybody who's not on board starts falling falling away yeah and it's a true testament to to success like whenever you decide that you want to be successful in your life not just like financially or anything like that but when you want to like just have a better life and you start focusing more on you people like take offense to that or they um they embrace it and they want to be they want to help you and and whatnot they want to help you be a better person yeah but if they don't they start falling off they start they stop texting you they stop calling you do you know what one thing that's very interesting since I started, um, since I came back from the Roger Up event is, like, haven't had I've had a couple of people say that they've seen a difference in me, like at work and whatnot, yeah, and like my mentality, the way I, I handle situations and whatnot. But I've had people like ask me, like, like what do you, when you when you like do your morning routine, like what do you what do you write about? Like I I want to yeah. do that, and like so like by doing those things and just kind of like learning the things that I've learned at Roger Up. It's been I've been able to help other people, kind of help like put their their situations into perspective right. and and habits and whatnot. So it's kind of cool to be able to help other people also level up. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, and right now we keep going to Roger up. Yeah. I mean, that's how we met. Yeah. Okay. And and that's the basis for the start of our relationship. So of yeah. course that's going to be a very very strong part of it. Right. Because we both went through the same experience. We came out with similar ideas and we found what works for each of us. Yeah. And now we're implementing that and it's showing in the people that we surround ourselves with. Right. And you know, so I mean, if, if we keep talking about that, I mean, I've got a, I've got a whole notebook here of, of, of Roger up, but um, it is, you know, but you're absolutely when, when, when the people start falling away, it's they're, they're fearful because, well, why can't I do that? And they're afraid to ask the right questions. Right. What are you doing that's changing, that's changed this? And, you know, it's, I've got, you know, Randy says, well, what are you doing? And I tell, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell him what I'll do. And I'll give him books. He gives me books. We trade back and forth. Hey, you need to read this. You, and, and it's back and forth. Mm-hmm. I just finished this one. I think, you, you know, you'll pull a couple of things out of it. And... I'm not going to get that with everybody that I work with or everybody that I encounter or, or even with the people that I work with that haven't bought into what I'm trying to do. Right. Which ultimately is going to make them better. Yeah. Um, they don't have to do what I do. They don't have to get up at four 30 and read for a half an hour, have 16, 16 ounces of water, 
uh, before you do anything else, before you have your first cup of coffee, and then they don't have to sit down and write for 30 minutes. They don't have to do any of that stuff. What they have to do is they have to find something that works for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's we, we live in a binge-watching nation and time where uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go binge-watch Netflix. Well, I mean, it's so easy. It's it so easy to get distracted. I mean, you have your phone that you can access anything on. Uh, and yeah. it, it's just very easy. Like, I mean, you can have Netflix on your phone. I was so excited when my phone broke. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I ordered a new one. And I was told it would be that I would have it the next day. And it didn't come the next day. And then I didn't have it for the weekend. Oh, wow. I, know, I was like, wow. Was it peaceful? So this is what peace is like. <laughs> I don't have anybody blowing up my weekend asking stupid questions or That's anything. funny. That's funny that you, you think that too because you grew up without having a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> so you forgot what it was okay, like. Okay, <laughs> so, so here's a real funny story about that. I'm sitting down watching a movie with my kids. It was one of the Lethal Weapon movies. Oh, great movies. Yeah, I know. And there's... There, one of the characters has has a bag phone, oh, okay. and he's talking yeah. on it. And my son goes, "Dad, what's that?" <laughs> I said, "That is the great 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 grandfather of your cell phone." <laughs> no way! <laughs> yeah, did you have one of those? I said, "No, those things were like five thousand dollars." <laughs> I didn't have one of those things. I couldn't afford that stuff. Oh, but yeah, I, I grew up in a generation before. I, I grew up in a generation of phones yeah and if, if you wanted to talk to somebody and you wanted privacy you hoped you had a really long cord <laughs> you try it you know i grew up with a, a phone on the wall <laughs> yeah but did you have did you i didn't have, have a, i didn't have the rotary <laughs> oh yeah they, they did a study of kids with rotary phones and they didn't know how it worked yeah you got to go all the way around it yeah so, it's it was a, so disappointing you mess up you got to start over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I, and but it was so peaceful not to have that. And when I finally got the new phone, I booted it up and I got my screen time for the prior week. Oh, I was so excited. It was 17 minutes. Wow. Total for the week. But you had just got it. it well, it was, it was from the prior week when, when the old oh, phone died gotcha. because gotcha. technology is amazing. So I got my new phone. And all I had to do was trans to transfer the data from one to the other was just hold it over the top. That's amazing. I know. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder remember, if I remember the days when you had to have one phone and then the other phone and you had to like type in. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and it's like, okay, just let it sit there. And it's like, and I come back like 15 minutes later and I'm like, oh, I wonder if everything, oh my gosh, look, all my text messages are there. Oh, damn it. All the text messages are there. <laughs> But then it, it came up with my screen time for the week. It was 17 minutes. Wow. Like, that's awesome. How do yeah. I do that for the rest of my life? Well, I mean, you got to restrict it. Yeah, well, it, it's... It's nearly impossible, all, it seems. All, but all, all my work emails, my work texts, everything comes through here. And... That's one thing I was just talking recently about uh, with somebody that... Cause she runs a five one or she runs a Facebook page um, here locally. And she, I'm like, I'm like, she probably spends so much time on her phone, like running this page. And cause I feel like I spend a lot of time on my phone, yeah. like because of, of the podcasts and whatnot and just senseless scrolling. Yeah. Um, 
it's so easy to do, but I'm like, you know, like, she, do you ever decompress? And she's like, yeah, she's like, uh, sometimes she's like, but most of the time, like, she's like, I, I, I don't. Uh. And one thing that I found that was helpful for me was creating time limits, like on Facebook, um, and like all the other social media platforms, you can set timers to where it, 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 like once you spend oh. a certain amount of time, however long you set, it tells you, and then you, you exit out of it. Oh, it doesn't just like immediately. I would love it if it. I think it kind of locks you out. I, I, I think I, you have to bypass it. I would like that if it would lock you out. But you know, I've I've already done that. Where, you know, part of the morning routine. You know, on Mondays I got morning muster, so yeah. You know, I'll sit and listen to that if I have time to do it after I've done everything else that in, in my routine. But then the other days of the week, I'll I'll hop on Facebook and I'll just check what's going on. If and if and if I see something that I. I, I find reason to comment on I'll, I'll make my comments and then later in the evening I'll spend 15 minutes and that's it and then it's boom off I I realize that too with you because I've sent you messages and you don't respond till the next morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I always wonder how people are going to react to that no it's smart but it's it's I mean I've got a I've got a message message from from one of our OA members that's been on my phone since yesterday mm. and I haven't listened to it yet but but the same person, I'll send them something, and I won't worry about it, and five days later, I'll get a response. Right. And so, okay, oh, cool, yeah, cool. Well, and I think that that goes to speak, too, for, like, uh, people who appreciate people who are doing things and people who have a life, because some people take really big offense to you not responding to them, and it's uh, like, oh, yeah. I've been busy. Like, it, I have a busy life. I got a lot going on, so I might not get back to you right away. Well, I've got I do value your opinion, but or your a, thoughts. I've got a friend who's retired. And and I'll hear about it if I don't respond right away. And it's like <laughs> Dude, you got nothing going on. <laughs> Dude, what are you what are you what are you doing? Oh, I'm at the range. <laughs> yeah, you're shooting stuff, right? Yeah, I'm shooting stuff. I'm working. <laughs> I don't have the luxury of not having to work. I'm so if I don't get back to you right away, I'm probably doing something really important. <laughs> like standing on top of a twenty foot ladder. Uh, you know, on one leg, holding up one arm and, and the other arm, I can't grab my phone. So think about that next time. Um, I got to pee really bad. Um, so I'm going to pause. I'm gonna uh, take a break. Yeah, I'm going to write. Okay, now we're back. All right, so I feel so much better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, you've, ha- you've had me drinking coffee all day. I know, right? And, and all of, uh, <laughs> okay, so we've been talking about this because one of the things, you know, one of, I, I have to have a, a sarcastic outlet. Mm. I don't do that in my writing anymore um, because I think I've grown up a little bit in, in that area. So now the big thing is coffee. Oh. So I'll, I'll put my post on Facebook about coffee, and, <laughs> and, and, and one of my loyal followers was saying, oh, you, you're doing too much coffee. <laughs> and it's like. You can never do too much coffee. Do you know what's funny is um, the realization of coffee being a drug. Because it, it, in, a, in a lot of ways, it, it, it is a drug. It is. At least for me. Because um, I realize the impact that coffee has on me. Um, I, I say um a lot. I just realized that. <laughs> but coffee, you know, I, I, I fast during the day. So I don't eat until lunchtime every day. But coffee is the one thing that gets me through the morning. Mm-hmm. And I try to limit my, my caffeine intake. So I only drink eight to 10 ounces a day, which, 
you know, yep. is not we've, a lot. But we, we've surpassed that. We've definitely surpassed by that. by far. And, and we <laughs> talked about the when I made the mistake with my new coffee maker. It's like, am I going to sleep tonight? <laughs> so we'll we'll find out. But yeah, absolutely, it's an addictive drug. Um, I. One thing that I, I realize when I'm at work, I don't, I'm not in a good mood until I've had a cup of coffee and I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. Like I, I just feel like kind of tired. I haven't had my morning, haven't finished my morning routine yet. Wow. Don't really want to talk to people until I finish my coffee. Yeah. Because I realize like how it makes me feel. I feel great after I drink it. Yeah. I just had a cup of coffee and I feel great right now. It gives me like a high, like a buzz. Ooh. Yeah. I don't get that. You don't get that? No. Maybe you're numb to it because you drink so much. <laughs> what, okay, so what's really, really funny about that is I'll make one pot of coffee, I'll have one one cup at home, mm. and then I'll take my 20-ounce my traveler mug, and I'll fill that up, and I'll carry that with me throughout the day, and I'll pour half of it out. Wow. That is the extent of my coffee drinking. So it's really not that much. No, it's, 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 it's well, my coffee mug's 20 ounces. Yeah, that's not that much. Okay, and then and you and, pour and, half of it out, so you drink like well, no, I'm talking ounces. my 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 cup in the morning is a twenty ounce cup. Oh, yeah. Whoa, it's 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 like a beer mug. <laughs> okay, um, so it's pretty significant, but I stopped there. This is the most coffee I've had all week. Mm. Do you think that coffee is a significant factor in like the way you feel for the day? No, because I feel like for me, it, it really defines like my day. If I don't have my cup, I'll, be, I'll just be like, oh, I feel a little off today. I didn't have coffee. Okay. You don't get headaches? Like no. caffeine headaches? Nope. Mm. Interesting. I used to drink two to three pots a day. Then I would get headaches. But now it's if, if, I, if I skip a day, it's like, man. You know. Interesting. But I only skip if I run out of coffee filters or coffee. <laughs> I've seen you post that one day. Somebody was like, use your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and I had to give up my, my my MacGyver nickname because I couldn't come up with a solution to make coffee that morning. And I'm just like, it's so simple. But it's really not that. Just use paper towel. You can't just use paper towel. It doesn't work that way. Doesn't a pinch. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But yeah, so, no, yeah, no. Okay. All right. So getting back to um, your story a little bit, we you wanted to talk about Kevin Ross. But before we do so, I want to give Kevin Ross a shout out. Because Kevin Ross, I told you earlier, in a lot of ways was the, he was almost like a, a factor of this podcast. Like he, me hearing his story on Joe Rogan, like made me think, wow, somebody who's of that, elite of a status was able to share their story so passionately yeah. on a platform and vulnerably. I was like, I want to do that. Like, I feel yeah. like my story could be useful to other people. And so by him sharing that helped, helped me help inspire me to want to start this podcast. And then six episodes in, I was like, all right, not even like a couple episodes in, I, I reached out to him like, Hey, uh, you know, I heard you on Joe Rogan. You were an inspiration to me, blah, 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 whatever. I don't even remember what I said to him. And he's like, yeah, I'll do your podcast. Yeah. And so he did it and it was a failure. I mean, on my end, it was a, <laughs> not really a failure, but I learned, you know, yeah. it was like an experience that I had to learn from. And he said a lot of things to me that like made me think. And then he came on again yeah. recently and it was a much better episode. We had a great time. And 
Um, and now, you know, like I kind of consider him a friend, like, you know, I have his personal number and we can talk back and forth and, yeah. um, and he's willing to come back on the podcast whenever. And yeah. so, and, and that's so amazing because when you said that our stories parallel each other, because when I sat and listened to him, um, I was making notes and I, and, and I was totally focused on, on what he was saying and I didn't realize what I was writing. And when he was talking about the drugs, when he was talking about the alcohol, when he was talking about the cutting, when he was talking about the hating himself, all of those things, I'm like, my, okay, why are you telling my story? Mm. That's my story. And afterwards I was talking with him and I said, you know, I've got the scars, the same scars as you. And, and we talked for maybe 15 minutes and, and it was so reassuring. And, and in that moment, I, I knew what my purpose was. You know, I'd, and we talked about Brian Fleming with the battle plan. What am I going to do? But after hearing Kevin and talking with him, it's just like, okay, no, you, 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 you can't walk away from this. This is, you know, this is my, what are you going to do moment? And that's when I decided that I made the choice that, okay, so I can't ignore this. I have to do something. And it goes back to, you know, you never know who, your story is going to help. Yeah. And it became, if my story helps one person, the way, you know, Kevin gave me, he didn't give me anything other than his story, but it was in such a way and it resonated so strongly with me that it was just like, okay, you can't ignore this. Here is your purpose. This is why you are here. So now what are you going to do about it? And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to specifically talk about that because, you know, in, in our 90 day challenge, we had our, uh, our outtake form where we, the goals we accomplished. And my goal was I figured out what my purpose is and it's nothing monumental. It wasn't, it, 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 I didn't hear angels. I didn't have lightning. <laughs> I didn't have light beams or any of that stuff. It was just like, gotta be kidding me that's it's that simple i just needed to hear 35 minutes of my story being spoken by somebody else and it was just like okay so do you think your purpose is to for you to share your story yeah. to be able to help other people yeah and 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 that's where my writing is taking me and and the 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 course that i, I we, we talked about it's 52 weeks right and it's it's the author of the plan put it in place so that you could discover things about yourself that you may or may not have realized. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it that way. I'm looking at it like, okay, what experiences have, have I had that I can take and twist from a trauma to an opportunity and, and who will that help? And, um, that's how, you know, and, and that was, it's, it's such a little shift. It, it's just so minute. Yeah. That little, that little itty bitty twist. And it's like, okay, so now what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to do the, oh, woe is me and just write how shitty your life is? Or are you going to say, oh, okay, if this is the worst that life has to throw at me, bring it on. Let's, let's, you know, let's do a little dance. And, and like yeah. you said earlier, let's lean into it and see what comes out of it. Um, 
but putting that out there and, and, and I talked about it where I would look to see how many likes I got or whatever. Yeah. And then I, then all of a sudden I matured dramatically over the course of a couple of weeks where all of a sudden it was like, okay, so read the comments and see what they're commenting on and how can you make it better? And it's, 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 it's telling your story and you're never knowing who it's going to help. You know, one thing that's very interesting about what you just said is that I, I had a coworker one time who walked by and this is, you know, obviously we kind of going back to like people who say things to you to kind of like tear you down a little bit because they don't want to see you succeed. Yeah. They don't want to see you try to do something with your life or your story or whatever it is. But this one coworker said something to me. He was like, um, he's like, Hey, I hear you have a podcast. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, cool. He's like, well, maybe I should come on sometime. I'm like, yeah, come on, talk. And then he was like, yeah, I could, I could get, I could go on there and, and cry too, or something like that. Something to that effect. <laughs> and I just like looked at him like, people aren't crying. People are sharing their experiences of overcoming trauma. Like, yeah. like, it's it's one of those things where like like sure there's merit in people who are looking for attention who want to share like a sob story yeah but it's different when you hear somebody who has overcome and what a success story right like because there's two different there's two different types of stories there's somebody who lets it define them and ruin their life yeah. And then there's somebody who looks at it from a different perspective and they're like, I want to use my story to change other people's lives. Yeah. And that's what this whole podcast was about is to, yeah. to help change other people's lives. It's not about like a sob story well, or, or uh, getting attention or woe is me or any of that. Well, and it's funny because I mean, we both have the same shirt, our victim, or Victor, not victim shirts. Yeah, I almost wore it. <laughs> um, I, I don't I've, know if you... I've, I've actually got Sifu Baker shirt on. I've seen that. Yeah. I, I like that. It was a cool shirt. I know it is. But um, I look at the victims. They're the ones that are that are crying their eyes out and not willing to 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 make the changes that, that are going to benefit themselves first. You know, because... It, and, and let's face it. Okay. So I'm two years into my recovery, and it has not been easy. And, and you... I'm grateful that you asked. You've got two bottles of bourbon over here. And you said, do I need to hide them? Well, no, if I want bourbon, I'd just go get some bourbon. Right. And, you know, and, and. I almost, uh, hold on, before you go on, I almost, when I came down here to set up, I was like, maybe I should hide those. <laughs> but then, because I, I, I don't want to be the reason why somebody relapses. But then I thought, you know what, that might honestly be uh, like a, almost like a, like a slap in the face to who you are as a person, because then I, then you might feel that I don't trust you or that I don't think you can make a right, the right choices. Right. Well, and don't be offended by this, but if you would have hidden those, I would have been like, Oh geez, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with it. And, 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 and I'm going to qualify that right now. I'm perfectly fine with it. Right. Okay. It, it's, we always go by the, whether it's a drug, whether it's, you know, alcohol, whatever, food, gambling, whatever it is. I mean, if it's an addiction, it's a drug. An addiction is an addiction. Right. Okay. Um, you can be addicted to Twinkies. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. look at America. We're fat. 
you know, I'm depressed. So what am I going to do? I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to take a drug. I'm going to go gambling. I'm going to, whatever it is, but it's cunning. It's baffling. It's powerful. It's, you know, I equate whatever that addiction is to Satan. Satan is not this big, oh, you know, frightening being that's, you know, fire brimstone, any of that. Yeah. He's a guy that sits on your shoulder and says, Hey, just take a sip. You know, what about that? What do you think? Is it really going to hurt anybody? Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. You yeah, do it. And it's like, okay, so you can hide it all day long. I'm still, if I want it, I'm still going to find it. Yeah. And if I can't find it, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. And you know, and it's, it's, I talk so frankly about that and it may seem smug, but it's how I have to deal with it. Well, I mean, for you, it's different than some other people, right? Like, yeah. like your triggers might be different than other. I hate that word triggers, by the way, but it, it's, it's the but, word, but it is the word. So like what might affect you might not affect somebody else. So like, um, you know, cause a lot of people are attracted to different aspects of certain things, right? Like mm-hmm. some people are chain smokers just for the simple fact that they like the camaraderie of it. They like yeah. to sit around and smoke with other people. But if you took that element away from it, would they be a smoker? And then same with like drinking or drinking socially. Some people are attracted to just going to a bar and sitting down and drinking. Whereas like some people, if they see a bottle of liquor, it's gone. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we talked about that earlier. You know, I used to consider it alcohol abuse for somebody to leave a half full glass of wine. (laughs) It's like you can't leave that sitting there. That's just wrong. But that's how the addicted mind works. Right. And, you know, and, and you look for all of those things. And for the longest time, people thought that if I sat down and have a, had a cigar, I would need to have a bourbon to go along with it. Do you smoke cigars? I do. Okay. I like a good cigar. Man, I should have gotten some cigars. I almost brought some with me. Oh. And then, but then I was in such a hurry to get out of the house, I forgot. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, I forgot cigars. But yeah, and, and people thought that that was one of my triggers. And it's like, no, I just enjoy a good cigar. I don't have one every day. Right. I'll have one maybe once a month. Yeah. And I had one at the end of our 90 day challenge. I bought, I bought a really nice cigar. It cost me way too much money (laughs) and, but it was really good and I earned it. And, you know, but yeah, I mean, I I respect the fact that you asked me the question if you should move it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that I've been kind of thinking about because, you know, like, uh, you know, for because I, I interview a lot of people who are addicts, you know, people who have overcome addiction or are currently overcoming addiction. And I think about like, would that be offensive to them to right. have that there? And if I knew going into the, the interview that somebody was an alcoholic, I probably would hide it just without them seeing. Well, it's without it, them seeing that it's even there. It, it's, it's funny that you that you bring that up because I had a conversation with with Randy where all of a sudden I walk in the office one day and I see six or seven bottles of moonshine sitting on one of the desks, walk up, grab one of the Mason jars and I shake it. And I'm looking and it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm checking the alcohol content. (laughs) Oh, how are you doing that? I said, the quicker the bubbles dissipate, the more alcohol there is in it. This is pretty, I didn't know that. This is pretty good stuff. (laughs) I I, I have my grandmother's moonshine recipe. (laughs) It doesn't run in the family at all. (laughs) But so, and I'm like, why are there six bottles? And and Randy was like, well, Michael's getting married. Michael's his son. And he, he goes, we were going to give him all moonshine for wedding gifts, all the groomsmen. Oh, why didn't you? Well, we found out one of them's an alcoholic. I'm like, oh. He's like, oh, you seem disappointed in something. I said, why are you changing what you're doing? We're going to do for everybody for one person. 
Mm. He's like, what? I said, yeah, why are you changing that? Well, wouldn't you, if, and he goes, if, if it were you, would you be offended? And I said, no. He goes, why? I said, because you would have found something very specific to me to give me as a gift, which would have made me feel more special than the guys getting moonshine. He's like, huh, I guess I got a lot to learn about this. It's like, no, it's just a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think it's mainly because of like the lack of knowledge surrounding it, right? Like we kind of associate like, like any alcohol or any, any, uh, person that suffers from addiction, like if they see it, then they're more than likely going to relapse. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, yeah. it's like, no, I what, mean, what, what causes people to relapse is, 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 is a deep seated resentment about something that they can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've been able to identify some of that. And that was one of the, okay. So part of that, that overcome challenge that we did, you know, my goals were to identify my purpose, which I did. And, one of them was to get off my anti-anxiety medication without side effects. What what medication were you on? Oh. Like Xanax? Yeah. And. Uh, you know how bad that stuff is for you? Yeah, you know how bad it is to, to go through withdrawal on that stuff? No, I don't. It's awful. I could imagine. It's worse. It, it, it was worse than the DTs I had and getting off of the, you know, all of the side effects of and withdrawal from the alcohol. Wow. It was It was worse than that. I mean, my body ached coming off of that stuff, but I got off it with no side effects. Okay. And, you know, that was because of the morning routine, the workouts, mm-hmm. eating better and all of those things, you know, so that was one of the things that I wanted to do. I want to ask you this. Go ahead. Uh, being somebody that suffers from anxiety, I just found out that you were on anti-anxiety medication. Yeah. Do you find that having like a more disciplined, obviously routine and, uh, just more structure in your life, it helps um, like negate some of that anxiety. It's, it's, well, that's a multifaceted question. Okay. So having the, have, having the routine, yes. Um, but there so, were, there were still a couple of days last week where I just said, and, and my safety zone where nothing could hurt me is in my bed. With the TV on, door closed, lights off, blanket over my head, and nothing can hurt me. Mm. That's my fortress of solitude. And I had to go there twice last week. But I still had the discipline. I still had the routine. What I took out of that piece of puzzle was I was not eating well. And when... I, when I realized that, it's just like, oh, this is not going to be good. And, and it wasn't, it hadn't, it, it was, it was not being, it was not, not taking the medication that did that. It was the break in my routine and it wasn't the guilt of breaking the routine. It was the crap that I was putting in my body that allowed that chemical imbalance to readjust itself to be imbalanced that all of a sudden my brain is not producing serotonin anymore. Right. And then it's just like, okay. So that's a very interesting thought. What kind of things were you eating? Oreos. Oh, I know. Right. Oof. Yeah. Those are some of the worst things for you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No kidding. 
one one thing that you just brought up a really interesting point and obviously we know that diet takes a a huge is a huge factor in like your mental health and everything and the way you feel yeah but i just had an interesting thought like um, it's it's interesting to know how many people especially young people uh i know some young people that are on like xanax and stuff oh and it's interesting to think about because those people that i know that are on xanax don't have a clean diet no and they don't exercise they don't work out and it's like We're only mental health. The mental health crisis is only getting worse here in America, like rampantly over the last few years. It's gotten terrible. And how much of that is attributed to a poor diet, eating fast food, eating Oreos, eating all these things? Let's look at it. So when I wasn't taking care of myself, I was on the medication. I was fine most of the time. Stop taking the medication. Stop eating garbage took pop out of my diet. I'm eating healthy, eating good foods. I'm working out regularly, doing all the things that you're supposed to do to take care of yourself. Yeah. No symptoms. And we're my, my mental illness is a little deeper than that. We were talking about schizophrenia earlier. Yeah. Um, I'm probably two steps away from schizophrenic. Mm. I've got the voices in my head and the voices are real. Okay. And uh, no, I'm not going to go postal or anything like that. (laughs) I wasn't worried. We're all safe. Um, But the voices that I was hearing were to protect me. Mm. And so I, you know, and and my therapist found ways to help me quiet that. Every now and again, they pop themselves back up. And I know now I know what to do with it. But when I started on that journey of the healthier lifestyle, all of a sudden they were gone too. And... When when I started back with the you know the the, the negative diet because mm-hmm. it I mean it's it's horrible yeah. all the chemical you know the chemicals that we put in in food that are okay are killing us yeah but then you have nutrition supplements that are so heavily regulated it's like wait a second this is good for you and you're regulating that this is really bad for you yeah. and you're saying hey eat more of this right um it's just proof because w- when I took all of that stuff out. I'm right as rain. And one thing that I'm sorry uh, to go off on a little side tangent. Have you ever seen the list of um, like businesses that are owned by some of these big corporations? So like <laughs> how many businesses Coca-Cola owns or how many businesses Pepsi owns or how many businesses, uh, what are some of the other big uh, oh, companies? You got Nabisco. Well, Nabisco is, who are they owned by now? They got bought out. But what's really funny about that is, you know, the chemical that's in Roundup? Yeah. To kill the weeds and all of that stuff. It turns off the triggers in your brain or or it it turns off the triggers in your stomach that signal your brain to tell your brain that you're full. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's really interesting about that. Because when I started on this journey, I started researching all of this stuff. And, And it's frightening. That same chemical is in Oreo cookies. Did you ever notice you never feel full when you eat Oreos? No, never. Right. Goldfish crackers. Really? Yeah. Ever notice you never get full when you eat goldfish crackers? Yeah, I just figured it was because it was full of air. <laughs> no, it's it, it, <laughs> the same chemical. It, it, tur- it turns that that uh, trigger off in, in your digestive system to send the signals to your brain. Wow. I know, it's freaky. Yeah. And so you're doing that. Why is that chemical in there? Because you buy more cookies. So 
it's not used it's, for it's, anything it's specific. In it's in it's in Twizzlers too. Oh my gosh! I know. What chemical is that? I don't know. I'm gonna look like, it up. Yeah, look it up. Because uh, I don't want to just throw things like that out in the dark. Well, I I, I, I got to imagine that once this goes this airs nationally, I'm gonna be getting a call from Nabisco and, <laughs> and Oreo and Coca Cola and 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 you know I'll I'll be needing to hire an attorney or something. No, I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> but it it was just really interesting when you find out. You know, well, how detrimental some of this stuff is for you, and and you know, and sugar itself is more addictive than heroin. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and what did I? Somebody, I. So the report found that foods such as Cheerios, Goldfish crackers, Oreos, and Doritos contain residues of the chemical gly- glyphosate. Also known by the name Roundup, glyphosate is a is used to kill weeds and crops. Oh, what's it doing to our brains? Let me look. Don't Uh, don't do Oreos. Don't do Oreos. Okay, so um, brain glyphosate correlates with increased TNFA levels, suggesting that exposure to this herbicide may trigger neural inflammation in the brain, which may induce changes that are seen in neurodegenerative disorders. Wow. Wow. That is is insane. It's scary. Um, hold on. I want to, okay. I don't want to read the whole thing. Hold on. Here we go. Toxic effects of glyphosate on nervous system. Glyphosate is a non-selective systematic biocid with broad spectrum activity is the most widely used herbicide in the world. It can persist in the environment for days or months and is intensive and large scale. It's intensive and large scale use can constitute a major environmental and health problem. In this systematic review, we investigate the current state of our knowledge related to the effects of this pesticide and nervous system of various animal species and humans. The information provided indicates that exposure to glyphosate or its chemical a commercial form formulations induces several neurotoxic effects. It has been shown that exposure to this pesticide during the early stages of life can seriously affect normal cell development by deregulating some of the signaling pathways involved in this process, leading to alterations in different different I, I can't say that differentiation neuro, neuro Neuro, I don't know, neural growth and myelin myelination. Glyphosate also seems to ex- exert a significant toxic effect on the neurotransmission and to induce oxidative stress, neuroinflammation, and mitochondrial dysfunction. Processes that lead to neuro neuronal death due to auto uh, autography autography. Is that how you say that? I don't know. 
um, ne- necrosis or a pop apoptosis. I don't know how to say that either. I don't even know what that is. As well as the appearance of behavioral and motor disorders, the doses of glyphosate that produce these neurotoxic effects vary widely but are lower than the limits set by the regulatory agencies. Although these there are important discrepancies between the analyzed findings, it is unequivocal that the exposure to glyphosate produces important alterations in the structure and function of the nervous system of humans, rodents, fish, and, in, inver, and invertebrates. Uh, yeah, it goes on. It's it goes on in, into the study of it. That is insane. It is insane, and it's crazy because we buy these things for our kids. We buy goldfish. We, we like here's a snack. Eat this. Well, and and going back to the original, how we original got originally got on the topic, I took all that junk out, and then I reintroduced it. And I felt like all the ground I gained was gone. Mm-hmm. And then I stop and it's just like, oh, I'm me again. How much of that is accentuated in, in depression and anxiety, like amongst young people in, in today's society? Who knows? I mean, I know what works for me. You know, would it work for somebody else? You got to try it. But when you, well, okay, so when you look at the United States versus other countries, we're the most obese, we eat the most sugar. I, I heard somebody say that it was like 130 pounds per person per year. Jeez. That's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. Okay. We eat more fast food than anybody else. Okay. When you look at the countries that had the healthiest diets, okay, you know, Japan, Italy, I mean, you know, eating fresh food, eating, eating yeah. what was in season, lower levels of heart disease, diabetes, all of those things. But then the, you know, they get Americanized, they get Kentucky fried chickens, they get Burger Kings, they get McDonald's. And then all right. of a sudden you start to see, you know, upticks in heart disease and things like that. Not traumatic, but, but little bits. And it kind of makes you wonder. Okay, so we've been told that this is good for you know it's it's quick, it's easy, it's 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 normal, and now look at where we're at. Yeah, I mean we're. I heard you know, in one of the books I'm reading, we're two generations of not having a military because where we're at now with people who are obese to where we're going to be in twenty years, it's like nobody's going to pass the test. Right. And and it, I looked at that and I listened to that and I'm like, oh, that's frightening. That is frightening. I mean, we've lowered our standards as far as what's acceptable. I mean, um, I used to be a, 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 a large, now I'm a medium, but that's because I lost 30 pounds. But before that, I was a medium and I couldn't fit my clothes, so they just changed the sizing. And left the size, mm. or they they changed the physical size of it and left the right the branding on it, and it's like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Ever buy a, you know a pair of thirty two waist pants and buy another one and one fits and the other one doesn't? Yeah, they're both thirty twos. What's the difference? I just figured they're made in like China or something where the people are smaller. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. The, you know the thirty two. It's, it's a smaller person that made them. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, and it's like okay, is there? It, it, 
there's got to be something to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and when you eat healthy, when you, when you put good food in your body, it's, you know, for me, my mindset's completely different. And my anxiety is just like where if I'm eating junk, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's pegged in the red and, and the engine's smoking. And, <laughs> and, 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 and when I'm eating healthy, I mean, you could drop a bomb on me and like, Oh, you don't see that every day. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess that's just one more hole I got to fill. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it, it, but it's it's just amazing the difference. Yeah. And um yeah, and that goes back to all the discipline in the world. It's just routine, everything else, but you take that one it, it was like the the one little word that Kevin said, Kevin Ross said that it's like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Wasn't anything monumental. It was one right. little, one little thing, and I changed one little thing in my diet, and it's like all of a sudden my world goes to hell. And do you battle anxiety and depression? I don't. Okay. No. Okay. Well, let's go back to the illustration that I used with Randy when he asked me what depression was like. It's an eight hundred pound gorilla sitting on me, bashing my head with a hammer. I mean, I, I think I battle like seasonal depression, but I think that's different than yeah. That's I, a that's a little different than like clinical depression. Y- yeah. That yeah. And, but now if I, if I don't have Oreos, you know, then, then it's just a clapping monkey, <laughs> you know, and then it's just like, punk, you know, it's like, okay, you know, let's go, let's go do something productive. Get off me. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I'm no different than, I'm, I've, I've got the same chemicals in me. I've got the same experiences. I've got the same everything. It's just, I'm a lot older than everybody else, <laughs> apparently. Um, so what would happen if we changed our kids' diets? And got them exercising again, got them away from the video games and, you know, soccer. I mean, there's so much out there that, that everybody can do. Yeah. Would it change that problem? I don't know. I think it'd help. It changed for me. I think it would help. It's oh. definitely not a bad change. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and it's, it's, it builds, ha- it builds good habits. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. That's what the, you know, the discipline is like the motivation that's going to fade at a certain point, but once, right. Excuse me. Once you've got those habits established, then the discipline can waver a little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and the example for me was the Oreos. It wavers a little bit, and it's like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, okay, get back to your habits. Get back to the discipline. Take those out, and it's like, see what happens. And it was remarkable. It was two days where all of a sudden the mindset swung. Wow. 180 degrees. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you purge that all of that garbage from your body, when you put it back in, unless you continue to do it day after day after day after day, if you stop, it'll purge itself real quick. And uh, it was just like, okay, two days, and I'm back. To, I'm back to feeling like myself. And it, it, it's that's amazing. Yeah, that's totally. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's important to have a healthy diet. It's important to have structure, and not just in like uh, exercise and morning routines or like whatever your daily habits. But it's important to have structure in the in the way you eat, because if you don't, then everything else starts to kind of derail. At least for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like if you don't have your cup of coffee. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll use I'll use my interpretation of that. You don't feel human until you've had it. You're right. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it's it, if I don't eat right away, if if I don't have high protein breakfast mm. by ten o'clock, I'm dragging. Mm. I'm you, you ate before ten o'clock today. I think I did. Okay, I did. Yeah. We're, we're, well, before I came over, I had I had. Uh, I, I stopped at, I told you I, I ran out without workout clothes. That uh, was the other thing I forgot. So I had to go run to the local Walmart and I got some cliff bars and some fig bars mm. and I had two fig bars and it's like, okay, I'm good to go. Yeah. I'll be good for at least an hour. <laughs> and, and, and sure enough. But, um, I forgot where were we going with that. I forgot how we, we got. We're talking that. about discipline in the way you eat and you're saying how you need to eat before 10 o'clock every day. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if, if I don't, I'm hangry. Mm, yeah. And, and you know, and it'll throw off the day until I start getting that protein in there and, and, and good carbs. And and so it's discipline, the habits, doing all of that stuff. Well, and it's realizing, too, what works for you and what doesn't. Like I had told you this morning that I typically fast until lunchtime every day. Yeah. But um, I I realized for me, I I, I can't go past that, you know, like. I'm not technically fasting for 16 hours because yeah. I stop eating at seven o'clock at night and I don't eat until 11, but I tried to do further. I try to go till one o'clock to eat and I'll eat oh. lunch at one o'clock and it's too long yeah. for me. Like I working a physical, physical demanding job. I can't, I can't go that long. I get, if it affects my mood, oh. um, I just, I feel tired and like sluggish and you need, you need to realize like what works and what doesn't, and you need to adjust accordingly. Yeah. Because what works for one person might not work for another person. Right. And that goes back to the, with everything that I took out and everything that I put in. Right. It worked for me. Will that work for everybody? No. Yeah. It's the same way I view my addictions. Yeah. My, my, the, the way I approach it isn't going to work for everybody. But it works for you. But it works for me. Yeah. And it makes, it, it helps me think more clearly so that if somebody has a question, I can answer it from experience. Right. And I don't have to, I don't have to bullshit my way through it. Yeah. I can, I can just speak from that experience. Now, does that mean that I'm never going to relapse? No, I, I, I can't, I can, I can unequivocally say that, you know, could I relapse? Yeah, I could. Yeah. But if I keep doing the things that I do, the likelihood that that's going to happen are slim. Right. You know, it'll, it'll have to be something pretty traumatic that would, would push me to that point. And in the same thing with the depression and all of that stuff, if I keep doing the things that I, that I doing, does it mean that I'm not going to suffer from those things? Eh, no, it, yeah. does, it doesn't, but I'm doing what I can do to minimize any effect that that's going to have on me. And even if you do relapse, it gives you the mental fortitude to know that you can get out of that. Yeah. And you can move forward yeah. because even though if you relapse and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about just anybody in general who's listening, who maybe struggles with addiction and um, it does, that does not have to define who you are in that moment. No. Just because you relapse doesn't mean you have to keep doing that. Right. You can, if, if you have the tools available, know how I need, like, you know how to change your life. You know what it takes to get back to where you were. Yeah. Like, and it might be a process, but you have the tools available in your mind, in your head. Yeah. And it, it is a process. I mean, I know somebody who inadvertently did, they had a, they had a drink, didn't realize it because they thought what was in their glass was water. Oh. Okay. God. And that was just like, okay, well I didn't melt. So I think I'm okay. Mm. And then six months later, we're back in 
to square one. Do you think that if something like that were to happen, that that's technically a relapse? Yeah. Like if you accidentally drink something? No. But it's how you... not a relapse, but it's not a relapse, but what happens if you continue to do that? Right, right. That's what what I mean. The first initial drink. Yeah. Like if you do something unintentionally. For, For me... If I, if, if I grab like, okay, so let's just say I've got my coffee cup here and I had coffee in my coffee cup and you had bourbon in your coffee cup and somehow they got switched and I took a sip of that, that, that bourbon coffee. Okay. That's an accident. Okay. That's not a relapse. Right. If I take a second sip, that's a relapse. So. So they drink it knowing that after they first sip. If, if I did that and it's like melting okay i'm okay and then i and then i finish it off then 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 i'm then i've relapsed right because i realized that okay that's not my coffee it's intent right yes yeah and you know and then what happens is that chemical imbalance that's in your brain gets triggered again yeah and what's worse is that you need to drink more to get those same euphoric effects so you're drinking more and then it just snowballs so much more quickly and you know it's 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 ugly. Yeah, I I think I told you earlier. I have a friend that is currently going through that, and it's it's one of the most I don't know. Like it it it's crazy because I knew him at a sober moment, uh-huh. at the time that he was sober, and then I and then I've seen him like relapse, and I've seen him like just I've watched his life spiral out of control yep. up until this point. And now he's in rehab and he's trying to get clean. And, you know, there's been times where he's reached out to me and he's like, man, I just can't, I just can't stop. I'm like, no, you can stop. Like, you need to get help. That's what you need to do. You need well, to get help. And we talked about that earlier, too. It's like we're also, and, and you know, I'm grod. I'm strong. You, you grod. I don't need anybody. I was scared shitless when I walked into my first meeting. I didn't want to be there. I was afraid. And probably the bravest thing I ever did, did was say, hi, I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. And it, it, we see that as such weakness, and it's not. To ask somebody, yeah. to, to physically say to somebody, I need help, that is the most courageous thing in the world. And it's yeah. brave. Oh, my God. You know, it's, I mean, and, and then, you know, then being me being me, I look down through, you know, famous alcoholics and I'm like oh my god really and one of my favorite actors is a recovering alcoholic and I finally figured it out after a year in recovery that in his movies he's actually AAing everybody <laughs> which is a beautiful thing I mean it's progress not perfection I'm like oh my god really and then I research and it's like oh wow I never would have guessed and you know and when you look at that it's like okay these people have overcome that they've they've had wonderful successful lives and they haven't gone back on it Mm, and look what's become of their lives and then you've seen the ones who have relapsed on that and the yeah and and how they spiral down and it's just like it's frightening yeah it's a true testament to what you don't want to happen to you (laughs) oh that's that's scary i mean i don't i don't want to be that i don't want to be that guy that gets found just yeah no well chris west this was an honor. Oh, my pleasure. We were like, it was an honor we're for me. over two hours into this. And we're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could do a whole another podcast, honestly. 
Well, but I, when whenever we need to do it, I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. I'm, and I'm not it, nervous at all. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, there's no need to be nervous. I, I try to make it as comfortable as possible. I'm just a normal person. This was the continuation of the conversation we were having upstairs. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, when when I when I watched your first podcast, you you ask great initial questions, and then your, your follow up questions are so much better than your initial questions. And it and it is a conversation. It's not. It, it's it, not an interview. It's not Mori Povich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be just like. We're two friends just sitting here chatting. Well, and you know, when I when when you look at everything that you're doing and, and everything that I'm starting to do, it's all about helping somebody overcome something that is holding them back. They yeah. just they just need to figure out what it is. Yeah. Or why. And do something. Yeah. And if if somebody finds one little nugget from in this from me, look me up on Facebook. I'm I'm an open book. I'll talk to anybody about, you know, about this because it's a hell that I don't like to see other people go through. So I love it. Well, thanks again for doing this. It, it it's a pleasure. I'm I I'm still like baffled that you drove all the way from Wisconsin to come here. And so it Well, knowing what I do now, what knowing what I know now about Chicago traffic, next time I'm flying. <laughs> <laughs>